Welcome to the Gridiron Goodies Podcast. I am your host, as always, Stephen Scott. On today's episode, I will recap the craziness from this past weekend. We'll dive into the news you need to know. I hold myself accountable while we do a little bet busting. And I'll wrap up by checking the results of my fantasy football advice. All coming up on this week's full recap. This weekend was exactly what I was hoping for. Rough on paper, but crazy edge-of-your-seat finishes in nearly every game. Some big dogs went down, and some little dogs got louder. The playoff positioning gets a little more clear, or muddy too, I guess, based on perspective, as we check Week 10 off of our calendars. Let's take a peek at the results from our watchable games list. First game, we had Baltimore, who got caught playing with their food and dropped to 7-3 and at home, with a 31-33 loss in dramatic fashion to the now 6-3 Cleveland Browns. The Ravens started off this game looking dominant, going up by 14-0 on the first two drives of the game. The first score came in form of a pick six by Kyle Hamilton, and the other on Keaton Mitchell's very first handoff of the day, breaking loose for 39-yard touchdown. Baltimore looked to be soaring to another victory until roughly halfway through the fourth quarter when things got interesting. After an Elijah Moore touchdown, the Ravens saw their two-score lead drop 31-24. Then it was Lamar Jackson's turn to throw a pick six. Greg Newsom takes a tipped Jackson pass all the way back to make this game 30-31, and here it would stay as a result from the following missed extra point by Dustin Hopkins. No big deal for the Ravens, right? Just run the ball, pick up some first downs, and run out the clock. Wrong. The Browns get the ball back, and Baltimore lets them get within field goal range. With the clock winding down, Dustin Hopkins gets the chance to redeem himself and nails the game-winning kick. Final score, 33-31, and narrows the gap in the AFC North race. Overall, I came away from this one feeling like the Ravens lost this game more so than the Browns won it. They sort of just fell into this win. However, it was a very entertaining game, and I wouldn't mind seeing a rematch in the playoffs. Moving on, the 49ers went into Jacksonville and reminded the world how dominant they are when healthy. The Niners are now 6-3 with a 34-3 stomping of the Jaguars who fell to also 6-3. Chase Young didn't disappoint in his first outing as a 49er. Bosa and him were hanging out with Trevor Lawrence in the backfield all game long. This entire defense was. Lawrence and the offense couldn't get anything going, and Trevor threw two interceptions. Christian Kirk had a productive day stat-wise, going over 100 yards, and in the running game, outside one or two big runs, Etienne was pretty much bottled up all day. When it was the 49ers' turn on offense, it was a firework display. Almost all of the offensive weapons for the Niners scored in this game, except for the one with the scoring streak on the line. It wasn't for lack of effort, though. In one of the coolest things I've seen, the team on the goal line for their final drive of the game either handed off or threw to McCaffrey four straight times to try to get him a score. Ultimately, they were unable to do so and the streak ended. Another reminder that when these guys step in front of a microphone and say things like, records and stuff like that don't matter to us, They're all lying. Overall, I came away from this game realizing that I may have forgotten how dangerous the Niners could be on offense, 
and the return of Trent Williams and Debo Samuel were pivotal. The addition of Chase Young seems like a winner to me, and I'm excited to see where this team goes from here. This could be the start of a run for them. As for the Jaguars, they should still be the favorites for the AFC South, but I think a loss like this definitely takes them down a peg or two on the grand scheme of things. Up next, the world was also reminded how unpredictable this sport can be, when the Texans came away with a 30-27 shocker against the Bengals. Houston improves to 5-4, while Cincinnati drops to also 5-4. C.J. Stroud had another strong game. Himself, alongside Devin Singletary, Dalton Schultz, Noah Brown, and Tank Dell, found their team up 20-7 midway through the third quarter, when Joe Burrow, who had five or six straight drives end in a punt previously, hits Jamar Chase down the field for a 64-yard touchdown, bringing them within three points. The game goes back and forth for a bit on a Stroud rushing score, and then Mixon scores off of a defensive interception. We end up at 17-all. With the time about to expire, the Texans pull off an improbable victory as Matt Amendola nails the 38-yard game-winning field goal. Ultimately, I think the Bengals will still be okay. Sometimes you just lose games like this. They should still make noise in the playoffs, especially when T. Higgins returns. I think this win for the Texans was more impactful than the loss for the Bengals. Houston seems to have found their running attack, and their defense is playing with more confidence, as they should. Pair this with a dangerous passing attack, and this is usually a formula for success. If the Jaguars don't right the ship after their loss, they could very well lose their AFC South lead to this team. Moving on to a barn burner on the beach, the Detroit Lions squeaked past the LA Chargers 41-38. Detroit improves to 7-2 while LA falls to 4-5. This was a back and forth game all day and all the big names showed up. Justin Herbert threw a bad interception early but played well for the rest of the game. He threw for four touchdowns, two of them going to Keenan Allen, and of course Eckler joined the party with one on the ground. Detroit's stars shined bright as well. Goff played a clean game and threw for two touchdowns, Amon Ross St. Brown the recipient of one, and Brock Wright the other. It was mostly the rushing game of the Lions that was the determining factor here. Jameer Gibbs scored twice, and Montgomery once, and together they put up close to 200 yards combined on this defense. This game, too, would come down to a last-minute field goal. Riley Patterson hits a 41-yarder to bring the victory to Detroit. The Lions maintain their dominance in their division, and with the return of David Montgomery, they'll likely stay the course. I stated in my preview episode that if the Chargers won this game, they would be anti-chargering, and even though they lost this game, it didn't feel like a typical Chargers type of loss. If they were last with the ball, they could have just as easily come away with this win. I am concerned about their defense, however. They seem to rely heavily on the success of Bosa and Mack. When those two are taken out of the equation against a good running team, this defense turns into a bit of a pushover. Success this does not make, and the future for this team may be grim. Lastly, we have a game in which neither team seemingly wanted to win. 
The Denver Broncos improved to 4-5 on the year with their last second 24-22 victory over the now 5-5 Buffalo Bills. Denver is now riding a three-game winning streak, and all three of those wins came from dominant defensive performances. I owe Vance Joseph an apology here. I was critical of him at the beginning of the year, and rightfully so, by trotting out the worst defense in modern history, but I also give praise when it's due and it's definitely due here. His defense held Josh Allen to one of his worst performances of the season. They forced a total of four takeaways, three of those coming directly from Allen in the form of two interceptions, one was his fault and one was not, and the other by way of a fumble. This game essentially boiled down to the Bills repeatedly turning the ball over and Denver doing nothing with it. Their offense relied on short passes through the air and a heavy dose of Javante Williams on the ground. Sprinkled in were some well-timed Russell Wilson scrambles. Outside of a ridiculous Cortland Sutton touchdown, most of this was met with minimal success and led to a lot of Will Lutz's field goals, one of which being the aforementioned game winner. My overall takeaways from this game would be that the Bills seem to be in a bit of a downward spiral. They haven't really even looked like a playoff team lately. Josh Allen needs to have some responsibility taken off of his plate. They leaned on James Cook towards the end of this game and found decent success. If they can figure out a way to make that more of a priority, this offense and the Bills' season might get back on track. As for the Broncos, they made some real noise by knocking out Kansas City and Buffalo like this back-to-back. They're such a weird team, though. The offense was hot at the start of the year, while the defense struggled, and now it's all flipped. They can't seem to put a full game together as a team, and until then, I'll continue to hold my expectations low. Moving on from our watchable games list and on to the games from our speed round, we'll first start off with a Colts 10-6 victory over the Patriots in Germany to close out this year's international series. Mac Jones and Gardner Minshew traded mistakes, and Max got him benched. Bailey Zappi came in and immediately made one of his own in hilarious fashion. Jonathan Taylor had a solid day and was a big reason the Colts ended up on top. Moving on, we have the Steelers' 23-19 victory over the Packers. The Steelers' running game was the main story here. Both Jalen Warren and Najee Harris were key factors in this victory for Pittsburgh. Up next, the Vikings figure out a way to get the win over the Saints. 27-19. Derek Carr left this game with an injury, and in came Jameis Winston, who immediately started doing Jameis Winston things. He gave his team hope with a touchdown to A.T. Perry, but snuffed them out with two terrible interceptions. On a side note, I have the perfect plan for Jameis moving forward. He should just be a designated fourth-down quarterback with his arm-punt 50-50 balls. Anyway, back to the game. Josh Dobbs had another good game and continues to amaze with his rushing performances. He was key for their victory here. Moving on, the Buccaneers had a pretty dominant showing as they beat the Titans 20-6. Baker Mayfield, Mike Evans, and Rashad White all had good games, while Derrick Henry, Will Levis, and the Titans offense did not. Up next, we have the Cardinals' 25-23 squeaker over the Falcons. Kyler Murray and James Conner, alongside Trey McBride, 
succeeded in making the Cardinals fun to watch again, as this game went back and forth. Bijan Robinson and the rushing attack of the Falcons tried to keep up, but ultimately fell just short, ending in a Matt Prater game-winning field goal for Arizona. Moving on, Dallas absolutely destroyed the Giants 49-17. Dak Prescott threw for over 400 yards and had four touchdowns, two of which went to both C.D. Lamb and Brandon Cooks, who both went off and had over 150 yards receiving as well. This was a classic beatdown. Up next, we have the Seahawks coming away with a 29-26 victory over the Commanders. Yet another game that came down to a game-winning field goal. Both quarterbacks played well. Brian Robinson had a big day for the Commanders, as did Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf for the Seahawks. Lastly, we have the Raiders' 16-12 victory over the Jets on Sunday night. Wilson and the Jets' offense continued to struggle. Josh Jacobs and the rushing attack of the Raiders did not, and the Raiders continued to ride that interim head coach boost. And that'll wrap up all the games from this weekend. Now let's dive into the news you need to know. I'll start off with all of the injury news. Atlanta's quarterback, Taylor Heineke, left the game with a hamstring injury. He's currently day-to-day and officially questionable for the Falcons' next game. Saints quarterback Derek Carr went out with a concussion and a shoulder injury. The shoulder was later deemed not serious, but he remains in concussion protocol. Teammate Michael Thomas also left that game with a knee injury, as did Marshawn Lattimore, who suffered an ankle sprain. Cincinnati stud defensive back Cam Taylor Britt injured his hand late in the first quarter and did not return. Fellow Bengal, Trey Hendrickson also left this game with a leg injury he sustained in a freak play with Noah Brown after the whistle. Tampa Bay quarterback Baker Mayfield smashed his hand on a helmet and the severity is undetermined at this time. Steelers linebacker Quan Alexander sadly suffered a season-ending Achilles tear. Lastly, Rams quarterback Matthew Stafford is coming back for next week's game. I'll provide updates on all of these as the week rolls on. Moving on to some transactional news, the Patriots waive defensive back Jack Jones, linebacker Anthony Barr makes a return in Minnesota, and big news out of Buffalo, the Bills fired offensive coordinator Ken Dorsey in steps Joe Brady to take over. And that will end this week's news you need to know. Let's go ahead and take a quick break right here. Alright, welcome back. Now it's time to hold myself accountable in today's bet busting. My straight five bets for this week were 1. Debo Samuel to score, and he did. 2. Taysom Hill to score, and he did not. 3rd. I had Derrick Henry to score, and he did not. 4th. I had Sam Laporta to score, and he did not. And lastly, I had Jake Ferguson to score, and he did. I went 2 for 5 and hit the ones with the good odds. We essentially broke even again here. For the parlays, I switched it up a bit and had two parlays for this weekend. Let's see how they did. The first leg of the first parlay was David Montgomery over 60 yards rushing, and he did go over with 116. Second leg, Mark Andrews over 50 yards receiving, and he did not. 
He came close with just 44. Next leg, we had Alvin Kamara over 40 yards receiving, and he did not with 33. For the second parlay, my first leg was Austin Eckler over 40 yards receiving, and he did with 48. The next leg, we had Josh Jacobs over 80 yards rushing, and he hit that with 116. Last leg, I had Kenneth Walker over 70 yards rushing, and he came close, but he did not hit with 63. Again, we came so close, but ended up going 0 for 2 on these parlay bets. That's three weeks in a row without nailing our parlay. I may need to switch things up a little bit more. Lastly, before I leave you, let's check in on the results from my fantasy football advice. Here were my sleeper picks. First, I had Josh Dobbs, who ended with 25.2 fantasy points. Second, I had Rico Dowdle, who ended with 13.9 fantasy points. Third, I had Tyler Boyd, who ended with 22.7 fantasy points. Fourth, I had Tank Dell, who ended with 18.9 fantasy points. And lastly, I had Noah Brown, who ended with 27.1 fantasy points. I had a pretty good day here and went 5 for 5 on these ones. Overall, this week went exactly how I wanted it to. It looked kind of lame on paper, but we ended up with some crazy outcomes all over the board. With that being said, we have reached the conclusion of today's episode. I will return on Thursday for the TNF preview as usual. I hope you all have a great rest of your day. Until next time.